Welcome back, RevFit community. As we've settled into our role as a founding NC Fit partner, we've been pushed to think about how we serve Boone through a broader lens, more so than just like our friend times and muscle-up PRs. And in fact, they've challenged us to what they call turn pro and evolve how we view health and how we come alongside our community in that health journey. And today I'm joined in the first of probably what's like a three-part conversation with our own coaches, Ashley and Michelle. So ladies, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hello. So just today, we put out our programming focus newsletter for the better part of 2021, and in it we highlighted the idea of a workout feel. We also just launched a free January challenge that we're calling Habit Better. All of these are geared towards setting the foundation for you being in control of your health as we put 2020 behind us and walk forward into 2021. So for now, stay tuned for an episode about habits and an episode about training with pain, topics that... Both of these ladies know all too well, uh, I hate to say. But today's podcast is about exercise and your period. Yep, I said that, exercise and your period. But before we go any further, let's pretend like you don't know these amazing coaches uh, for just a second and introduce them to you a little bit more. So ladies, the listeners only have your voice as a point of reference in this conversation. So if you would, step up to the mic, tell them who you are, how long you've been coaching, and I guess what your experience is when it comes to exercise in the context of this conversation. <laughs> All right. Um, it's Michelle here. Uh, I've been coaching almost five years. Um, been doing CrossFit close to probably nine, eight, nine years. And, uh, yeah, good bit of experience with... Uh, uh, working out with symptoms <laughs> that we're getting into, things that we're getting into today, um, with the pain of it, with dealing with hormones, dealing with different things that's going on with your body. Um, but they're pretty much manageable, and we'll talk to you a little bit about what we need to do there to help you guys out. And this is Ashley. So I've been doing CrossFit for about eight years and coaching for seven of those eight years. Um, I feel like I'm more than a coach than an athlete anymore, um, but definitely done plenty of training, um, mostly with Michelle and her games training, but you know, dealing with uh, the side effects of hormones and uh, overtraining and things like that. Um, so definitely experienced some of those things, um, sometimes worse than others, sometimes not bad at all. But otherwise, uh, probably just like any of the other women that train alongside us here at the gym, um, at one point or another, we've definitely experienced some of these things. So hopefully uh, we'll get some things straight with y'all today, um, give you a little bit of idea of when to push and when to give yourself a little bit of grace um, because just because you're a woman. And both of you, uh, the, the majority of our conversation is going to stem around uh, the high-intensity um, functional strength and conditioning training that we do here. But both of you did sports and, and various types of exercise prior to uh, getting into CrossFit. Um, so can you talk a little bit about uh, your background, like specifically childhood um, athletics? All right. Um, yeah, through I, I started pretty young through high school. Um, I mainly I did four or five sports. I think at one point it was five sports. So I had a good bit going on: softball, basketball, volleyball, 
track and field. I even dabbled in cross country. Um, everything that, what started it all was um, actually dance. I was, um, when I was young, I uh, started with dance and then got into all the sports. So um, been very active from there in different fields of sports, so. Um, and I started as a gymnast um, at age five and did that competitively um, from about age eight till age almost 14. <clears throat> um, and that definitely uh, kind of stunted my growth. I was a weight bloomer and basically gymnastics because of my low body fat and everything, um, I kind of like I said, kind of made me a late bloomer. I Once I quit gymnastics at age 13, I probably grew uh, about five inches to my height that I am today. So I was less than five feet tall when I was 13 years old um, and then kind of jumped up after that. But um, so, yeah, that, ad that definitely affected my body. Um, and then I went into sports in middle school and high school. Uh, I did tennis, track. A little bit of soccer um, and swimming and then after that it was just more of kind of a, a gym rat and then a endurance athlete with long distance running before CrossFit so um, I've kind of gone from sport to sport but definitely gymnastics would probably had the most impact on my body um, as a little kid so as we get started just to summarize for you the insight that we're about to get is coming from two athletes who have participated in highly competitive sports at a young age, different sports, different parts of the country, and it all culminated to where we are today, which includes multiple years of training for the CrossFit Games, which all of you know. Plus, it's no secret that Ashley's health coaching knowledge is absolutely off the charts. So as we jump into the topic, just want to give you some context into what we're looking at and the caliber of the guests here, and otherwise, let's get this thing going. So. When I introduced the topic of today's podcast, I said that we were going to talk about exercise and your period. But I think it's important for me to start off by telling you, the listeners, the three takeaways that I have from preparing for this episode. First, this is a topic that absolutely should be more freely discussed, or at least should be a space of empowerment for women to understand more about themselves. The fact that I'm squirming really is uh, indication enough of that, being the truth. The second takeaway is that there are a lot of misconceptions or misunderstandings about this topic on both sides. I was really surprised about that. And finally, that it's not about exercise and your period. It's about exercise and your entire menstrual cycle and how coaches and athletes need to optimize every day of the month. So, ladies, thanks for teaching me that and getting me to say period over and over over the air, if nothing else. One more time. One more time. <laughs> so, I know that y'all have a lot of... Um, killer content outline for us, um, and we got some really good questions from the listeners, but I want to start off by asking you, in general, why is this topic important to our listeners? Um, I think, for one, um, we need to listen to or pay attention to our bodies. Um, our hormones are, you know, some of our hormones are higher during times of the month, and some, some of them are lower. Um, and it really makes a difference in how you feel inside and outside of the gym. Um, and if you don't understand what's happening in your own body, 
it's hard to know what you should and shouldn't be doing in the gym. Um, some at some points during your period or some points during the menstrual cycle like you should be pushing yourself harder and then there's other times where you shouldn't where you should give yourself more grace to uh to take take it down take the weights down or take the intensity down um just because it, you know it's it's your hormones that's making you feel this way it's not because you're you know you're weak or or your endurance is you know sucks like some people say it's a lot of times it's your hormones it's and you can't do anything about it it's just part of being a woman so you have to know what's going on in your body at certain times during the month all right well then some of the questions that we got um you know there there's some kind of myth busting out there some some kind of really hot off the press type questions especially especially about CrossFit type workouts and um, you know how it impacts the body. But before we get into that, I think it's important that we just kind of jump into the truth about the entire cycle. Um, and when it comes to exercising, understanding that it's more than just a couple of days of the month that we're talking about. So I guess just kind of start us off with what are the phases uh, of the entire cycle? And then we'll kind of break it down from there. Um, all right, so if you were to kind of go by the book as far as phases go, um, phase one is going to be the, your, menstrual, your menstrual phase or the days that you have your period. Um, this usually, for most women, will last for about three to seven days. Um, this is actually one of the best times to be doing a high-intensity exercise. Um, the the hit or CrossFit or functional fitness um, that's just the most effective way to burn fat during this phase um, so you don't want to necessarily stop doing it uh, just because it is going to be more beneficial for your body to keep doing it during your period um, <clears throat> you may not be able to lift as heavy a weight during this time um, so it it's better to stick to more uh, moderate weight or lighter weights. Um, concentrate on technique at this time. Um, that's going to be beneficial for you since you're not going to be going super heavy. Um, endurance, as far as like endurance, um, if you like to run or cycle or things like that as well, um, you may see a decreased uh, endurance during this time. Your stamina may not be as good. Um, and as far as food goes, your body actually needs more healthy carbs during this phase um, to avoid burnout. So, you know, that doesn't mean go eat sugar or simple, simple carbs. You want something that's high in fiber, lots of vegetables, you know, potatoes, rice, things like that. So I was writing down questions to the points that you were making, and then you answered them before I could ask them. You're too good. Good for that. Good for that. Um, what What would you give as an example of a high intensity workout where you're talking about lighter loads, um, not endurance, that kind of thing? Um, so anything really that we do in here is going to fall into that category, but maybe not do RX that day. You know, maybe do the scaled weight, or even take it down even more if you need to. Or if it, you know it, it's a heavy barbell, you could always take it down to you know lighter dumbbells if that's if that's what you feel you need to do. You always have to just listen to your body. So one of the most common questions that came up was specific to this phase, and it was about 
the fluctuation of cramps, like it seems like they kind of go away during the exercise, but then maybe come back stronger after working out. Um, so that probably is just most likely because when you are working out, you're putting stress on your body. Um, so even though you'll have temporary relief from the cramps, uh, it, they're just going to come back later on in the day or in the evening or something just because you've, you've just put more stress on your body from working out, which is fine, but just know it does have that kind of effect. Okay, so the first phase when you actually have your period uh, should consider doing some high-intensity interval training type workouts, low load, uh, body weight, uh, low endurance, and add in some healthier carbs, high fiber. Um, in, is that it? Yeah. Cool. I think that's pretty informative in and of itself right there. So if you're listening, I think that was probably worth the time of clicking on here right there. But like we said, that's only three to seven days of the month. So you need to think about your health and how you're going to exercise around the totality of the month. So moving into phase two, talk to us about phase two. All right, so this is called the follicular phase, and this is really the time between the last day of your period and then up until ovulation. Um, and that generally, again, is about seven to 10 days in length. Um, this is when you're gonna feel your absolute best. Um, you're gonna feel your strongest, you're gonna feel your fastest, um, your tolerance for pain is going to be higher, your body will recover easier, faster, muscles, things like that. Um, you'll have more stamina. Um, so this is the best time to, you know, try to hit PRs, test your strength, stuff like that. Uh, you're just going to feel your best at this point. Okay, so what if someone comes in and they have tested like we're doing our four rep maxes right now they've tested during one of the other phases and, and and they're outside of this phase or they're retesting during this phase what would you say to an athlete who's not in this phase uh, if they were testing a four rep max for example how would you coach them through selecting you know what kind of weights they should pick um i mean i would still encourage them to you know do their best with whatever they're trying to do at that point. Um, but just know that this, that isn't, you know, if they're not in this phase, then they're not in their strongest point during the month. And they just have to understand that and realize that. And if they are in this phase, then I, like to me, I think this is where that feel comes in. And I really like coaching it that way is because I don't have to screen somebody at the door and say, what day are you in? Should you add five pounds? Should you not? But if we are saying to the athletes, you know, go by what feels heavy today. Um, in this phase right here, from, from what I'm understanding, then someone may feel stronger and a weight may feel lighter mm -hmm. and they can maybe challenge themselves mm -hmm. a little bit better in this, in this time frame. Absolutely. Um, the key thing that I, I liked about this too was that the recovery was faster. One of the questions that came in was about um, variance of recovery around your period. And so what I'm taking away from this one is that this is the time when I want to challenge myself. I want to push because I know recovery is better, pain tolerance is higher, um, and I've got a shot at maybe building a little bit more strength. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening, this seems like the uh, superwoman phase for you there. And if you're not in that phase, then you know it's just about what feels that day, what feels heavy that day, what feels like that day, and moving on with it. So phase three, the ovulation phase. 
All right, so this is usually um, lasts between three or four days. Um, you'll feel pretty energized, pretty social, so coming to class is probably going to be more fun for you during this point. Um, as far as working out, it's best to use moderate weights during this time, um, especially if you push yourself really hard during uh, your follicular phase, phase two. Um, your body probably needs a little bit of time to recover from those that like week to week and a half time if you were pushing pushing pretty hard. Um, your body temperature is going to be higher these couple of days. So when it is hot outside uh, during the warmer months and summertime, like you may be able to tell a difference. Like your workouts may feel harder just because you're hotter. Um, so like running in the middle of the day may not be a good idea for you during this time. Um, maybe, you know, later, you know, later in the evening or earlier in the morning. Um, you may need more time to warm up your joints and muscles at this point, um, especially again, if you push yourself um, in your follicular phase, again, your body's probably still recovering from that. Um, and just in general, you, you're, you may need more time to warm up. Um, and at this point in your phase, you want to prioritize more protein. So I really like that we've already talked about in one, you need to consider healthier carbs and you've got the ability to burn fat. And then now in this phase, we need to prioritize protein and consider working at moderate weight, um, especially coming off of the heavy seven to 10 days prior. Um, but the big thing for me was that was that point you made about more time to warm up your joints and muscles and you know obviously our warm-ups in class are standardized they're written for every class throughout the day for every athlete that attends and so this is where knowing your body and you know kind of knowing where you are is coming in five ten minutes earlier we've got that time in between classes and getting what you need to be prepared when we jump into that general warm-up along the way so that was a really helpful point for me uh, but from there, so we go into the final phase, phase four, and we're looking at the last maybe 10 to 14 days of your cycle at this point. Mm -hmm. Okay, so talk to us about this one. So this is called the luteal phase, um, and it's, like you said, 10 to 14 days pretty much. It's between ovulation and then the first day of your next period. Um, so this is the time typically, especially toward the end of this period, when women will start to have PMS symptoms, so to speak. Um, less motivation, bloating, headaches, cravings, sore breasts, um, irritability, mood swings, things like that. So um, as far as all four phases go, this is probably the worst one for us. Um, especially I've also probably noticed like a tight back. I just wanted to say that. Um, mm -hmm. Some yeah. people might notice that like a tight lower back is something that I feel in those in that period so just be take note of that take a little bit more time to stretch that lower back that is actually good to hear because there have been multiple times where I've heard from women they're like I didn't do anything you know my back's, my back's tight, tight. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah that might actually be really key information there yep. so so in this phase what should the listeners be focusing on what should they be mindful of how should they approach this phase here um, I mean, it's really good for us to continue working out during this time because it does help our mood. Um, you know, we always feel better after we work out. 
Um, and if you're somebody who suffers from PMS symptoms like bloating and uh, cramps and things like that, sometimes you'll get them before even your period starts. So working out, like we talked about before, does help um, kind of stave off those symptoms for a little while. Um, as far as like your body, um, it's going to take more time, again, for your muscles to recover. Uh, after workouts during this time. So again, you want to continue to prioritize protein uh, to help uh, help your muscles recover. Um, also, your body can't um, process carbs very well or as well during this time. Um, so I know this is typically when we have those cravings, those like sugar cravings, sweets, things like that, Bread. where we just, <laughs> we just want to eat all the carbs. Um, unfortunately, our body just can't handle as many at this time. So you want to try to pull back on the, uh, like, on the cravings, try to hone in and, you know, again, eat more healthy carbs, like um, high fiber vegetables, um, sweet potatoes, brown rice, white rice, but not in excess. Um, you won't need as many at this point as you do um, in the other phases. Um, exercise and training at this point should match your energy level and your mood. Um, you want to do what feels right and what feels good to you at this time. Um, this isn't really the time to be pushing yourself hard. Um, you can reduce your overall load, um, volume, weight, things like that. Um, like I said, just kind of go by feel. Uh, metabolic conditioning is going to be pretty good at this time because it is, as, you know, lighter weights, uh, just not heavy stuff. Um, one thing to really think about, and this is good for coaches to know as well, is um, if you have a lot of bloating, if you suffer from the bloating and cramping, um, it's probably best to stay away from super heavy weights at this time. Uh, because when you feel that way, it actually makes it harder for you to brace your core. Um, so lifting, you know, heavy back squats or front squats or deadlifts at this time probably isn't the best idea because you're more vulnerable to injuries. Uh, so that's just something you definitely want to... Um, yeah, so it's not even about not hitting a good number. It's about actually moving unsafe, right, potentially. Right, um, You know, and sometimes... You know, if, if we do have a heavy deadlift that day, just know, like, if you know you're in this phase and you don't feel great, and like Michelle said, if you have a, a sore back or you you feel bloated, it, the last thing you want to do is put on a weight belt, <laughs> strap, strap it around your waist. It doesn't feel great. <laughs> so, you know, take the load down so you're not having to, like, brace super hard and... and <laughs> And tighten that. that That's what belt. I do. <laughs> I just put that belt right on. Cinch it up tighter. Cinch it up tighter. So just so just listen to you know your body at this point. And sometimes going for a walk is is the best thing for you. Um, you maybe you don't need to come in and push yourself so hard if you're feeling awful. Um, maybe just go for a walk that day, um, or take an extra rest day. I had a note in here. Uh, Y'all have taught me this, you know, for many years now, but I don't know that all of our listeners necessarily know what a, a moving day is, like, like we've talked about. Um, so can you maybe give them an example of one of those go-to moving day workouts that I've seen you do for the past couple years? Um, so that maybe, you know, if they're feeling this way and they want to stay active, they can come in the gym 
they can grab that row or do whatever they want to do and hit one of those moving day kind of workouts. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are pretty easy to come up with. Um, what I think we generally do is grab most of the machines. Like, we'll <laughs> grab the rower, the bikes, the ski ergs, the, the biker, you know, just a combination of all of them and spend maybe, you know, you could set a calorie amount or a distance or a time that you're going to stay on the machine and you just move between the machines for about 30 minutes. You could even throw in some slow burpees or, you know, some slow walking lunges. Nothing that's going to tax your body too much. Basically just move through the machines for an allotted amount of time. And you're just, at that point, you're just flushing your muscles and your body of, of, of buildup of of what you've done in prior days and you're still moving so and I was thinking about that too when she was talking about phase one and we were talking about the clamps cramps fluctuating is if you don't want to come in and hit a class wide you know maybe that's an example too to come in and move and then maybe your body won't uh, react quite the same mm -hmm. as well so I think that was a pretty helpful breakdown of each of the phases understanding kind of how long they are, how maybe your nutrition needs to change with each one, recovery needs to change, intensity needs to change with each one. And obviously, if you're listening and you have more questions about the phases, uh, you, you know how, where to find these ladies, um, and there's the, the Google. So, um, But I do have a couple of questions that are kind of outside of the what is, and just wanted to get your insight on them. So one of them is... Uh, kind of a myth-busting type thing. I keep hearing from people, um, and a lot of times I hear it from people outside of our training base, and they say that um, high-intensity training, um, low body fat, this type of stuff we do, is going to lead to irregularities or even um, delayed onset or disappearance of the period. Um, what, what, do you, what are your experiences with that? Um, you know, do you know any cases of that or anything like that? Um, well, I can only go by myself when we were training for the games. Um, first thing, people, they don't understand that most of you guys in here, you're not training three, four more hours every day. You know, you're coming in for an hour class, so, you know, that's, that's plenty amount of stress on your body. It's not too much. It's, you know, some days you might not feel up to par but um, that's probably because you're sore um, but as far as that goes just moving moving through the workouts and just knowing that you're hitting your your day your hour and you're hitting it with intensity is not gonna throw you your hormones out of balance I wouldn't think um, even with my experience with training at the games I, I never had any type of hormone imbalance or adrenal fatigue or I never lost my period at my lowest body fat percentage, um, which was quite low, and I still never lost my period in that. Um, so I think you're pretty, it'll be pretty good just to, you know, with what you're doing daily and I'm not really sure where I'm going right now, but <laughs> I'm losing my words. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think what we, a one hour class, as long as your nutrition is is decent um, and you're recovering, taking your two, you know, at least two days a week to recover, 
you really don't have any kind of chance for it to mess up your hormones unless you've got something else going on in your body. It's what we do in here is not going to cause such an such a huge imbalance. Um, actually, poor nutrition is more likely to do that than actual fitness, uh, the exercise that we do in here. So, um, I mean, it's it, it is possible there are high level athletes where they start to have issues after years and years of hard training and and not uh, recovering and fueling their bodies as they should. Um, but as a, as a general rule of thumb, what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis in here is not gonna cause such inconsistencies. We talked before, and I know it's a popular example that gets thrown up about gymnasts and, and the fact that they, they do show some of these symptoms and side effects and stuff like that. Um, is that the same as what our members are experiencing here in our classes? No, I mean, as a gymnast, you know, I had super, I mean, I don't know what my body fat percentage was then because, you know, we never tested anything like that, but um, you could see my six pack through my leotard. Like that's, <laughs> that's how low body fat percentage I was. I was training at the age of 10, three hours a day for five days a week. Um, I don't even think we trained that much uh, when Michelle was training for the game. So, you know, gymnastics at a high level is much different than than what we're doing. You can see my shirt through my <laughs> see my stomach through my shirt too. It's not the same. Um, so one of the biggest things that I think is important to kind of just touch on before we wrap up is that, um, for example, one of our weightlifters provided a ton of research that he was doing in one of his grad classes about this topic, and there's not really, to my knowledge, an academic source out there that that touches on the sport of crossfit um, or crossfit type training and the impact of your period and most of that's because you know crossfit still relatively new um, and if that was to be um, you know research i think what they would find is that you're talking about the sport of it the world-class high-level athletes you know the the Katrins and, and the Brooks and the Tias and, and the, the people that are out there, not what's happening in our classes. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just wanted to touch on that, but I also think that one thing that we really do well and have really, a lot of this has come out of the NC Fit Partnership is that we have gotten really good at describing the feel of workouts and getting our members to the feel of that workout. And I think that plays well into the topic here because it could be day three, it could be day 23. If I'm coaching someone toward the feel and giving them the space to identify what's best for them um, and tell them what it's supposed to feel like, then uh, I feel like we're keeping people safe, even if there was a potential, which I think we all agree there's probably not a potential that our classes would cause any irregularities anyway. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, okay, so that's a really informative podcast about a topic that has made me squirm for over a week <laughs> to prepare for uh, and I'm actually uh, I've been pretty interested with it in in prepping with you and everything but before I wrap it up is there anything else that y'all want to add that I didn't think to ask or anything that's important um I I'm gonna add that uh there's two books out there that if you do want to read more up on this information um that are really good books um, the first one is called In the Flow by Alyssa Vitti. It's A-L-I-S-A-V-I-T-T-I. -T -T -I. 
Um, again, it's called In the Flow. Um, and the other one is called Roar by Dr. Stacy Sims. Um, both really great books. Um, if you you want some more information, you know, for yourself or, you know, maybe you have a daughter that you, you know, want to teach about this. Uh, so those are definitely two to, to look up. Perfect. And I will put a link to each of those in the notes for the podcast so that when they pull it up to listen to it, they can click directly to it and maybe um, order one of those books. But otherwise, ladies, thank you for doing this. Uh, I think it's a super important topic and I'm looking forward to the other conversations as we move forward. But if you, the listener, found this episode helpful or interesting, uh, please consider sharing it and tagging Rev5. DM us with any questions or follow-up comments. And other than that, we hope that you'll begin to think of your health journey in a broader, more complete sense. Learn to listen to your body. Learn how to maximize every day of the month and not just 21 or so. And keep walking forward to control of your long-term health.